Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the return episode of Clip and Roll. I am your host, Justin Russo, and joining me, my co-host, Farbad Esashari. Farbad, it's been a full month since the Clipper season has ended. Game six was July 30th. This episode is out on, or I'm sorry, July 30th, excuse me. Game six was on June 30th. This episode's coming out July 30th. It's been a full month since Clipper basketball. First off, how have you been, my man? First off, I want to say for all five of you who have been requesting for us to come back, this is for all five of you of the 29 Clipper fans that there are. And then the five of you that listen to this podcast, this is for you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm good. I just, it's been, uh, it feels like this month has been like longer than a month. I don't know. I'm just ready. I'm just ready to bounce away from basketball for like a month or so. But at the same time, I'm just kind of keeping an open eye, trying to figure out what the Clippers are going to do, uh, how how things are going to go. I've had a lot of conversations, so hopefully we could talk about that in here too. Yeah, so I'm going to apologize. Um, I know I've done this on several episodes, but like I apologize for how long it's been since we last recorded. I'm going to be honest with you. After Game 6 happened, which was on June 30th, I believe it was a Wednesday, uh, real life got in the way. Um, we were meant to record after game six, we were tired and then real life got in the way. I had a situation at home. I've had several situations at home that I've had to deal with personally that took precedent. And I'm going to be honest with you. I got selfish. I wanted to take time off. This season killed me. It was so condensed that I just didn't have time to breathe. And I selfishly decided to take time off. I mean, you're, you're doing your thing. I needed time to breathe. We've both been trying to get time to just relax. So that's why this episode was delayed for quite a while. So if you're looking for game six talk, there's none. I mean, I I know that seems like a cop out, but the only thing to really talk about game six is the Clippers fought hard. They ran out of gas and the fans gave them a lovely ovation. They chanted each player's name. It, I, it was a lovely sight to I see. I will in person. say I will make it my mission <laughs> unless it gets too bad, but I will make it my mission to learn what Patrick Beverly said when he <laughs> I mean, what Chris Paul said when Patrick Beverly shoved him, because I'm very, very curious. So <laughs> I'm going to make that my mission during the off season. But like, if it ends up being something I can't say, then I'm not going to say it. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, if you're just joining us and you haven't actually paid attention to the NBA since the Clippers lost, the Milwaukee Bucks are your NBA champion. Giannis Antetokounmpo is your finals MVP. He went absolutely apeshit in the finals. One of the greatest finals. I want to say one ever. thing about that, though. What's up? Him hitting 17 free throws was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Like, for yeah, dude that um, averages 55% from the line to hit 17 free throws. Craziest thing. It's it's crazy because those were the most free throws made and free throws attempted in a game, in a finals game, since Dwayne Wade the year that they beat Dallas. And just the fact that he made them. Yeah, like, just, I mean, yeah. I did find it funny. Like there was a little bit of karmic rep- retribution against Chris Paul that he shit talked Giannis's free throws before Game Six, and then Giannis made basically all his free throws. What was more of an aberration, that or Josh Smith hitting all those threes? That's a uh, probably Josh Smith because, like, for, uh, for, I, I would well, I don't know because technically free throws were more shots and probably all right maybe the free throws then actually. Yeah, probably crazy. the free throws. That was crazy. I I feel like people don't. Realize I actually how watched crazy that game. That was. I watched Game Six in a sushi bar by myself, just sitting there eating because I was doing all you can eat sushi and just chilling. That tells you how much I was intently watching basketball. I was watching at home. Anyway, and and ended that segment. Segway. Did you just mumble? I was watching it at home. Yeah, I was watching it at home, but I was like, anyway, end of that segment. And end there. No more. Oh, no right. more. Uh, um, no more finals talk. Okay. All right. We're here to talk about the Clippers, folks. By the way, Reggie Jackson's post game interview after Game Six, one of the all time greatest post game interviews of all, or of all time. 
Um, there was not a dry eye in the house when he was talking. So shout out Reggie. That was an amazing interview. Just amazing. Um, all right, let's talk about the off season that the Clippers have had. Cause it's been a whirlwind month for the Clippers, to be honest. Kawhi Leonard has surgery on his ACL. Uh, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. We don't know if he's even going to resign with the Clippers, but we'll get, we'll get to the free agency aspect of this a little bit down the line in this podcast. But as far as Kawhi Leonard is concerned, injury wise, he had ACL surgery could be out, you know, five, six months could be out nine months could be out longer. We have no idea. It's Kawhi Leonard. No one knows about Kawhi Leonard injury timelines, but beyond that, the other big news this month for the Clippers was that Chauncey Billups is now the Portland Trailblazers head coach. Kenny Atkinson has left the Clippers coaching staff to take a, a, a better role or at least a promotion with the Golden State Warriors to be their lead assistant. And Roy Rogers, who was the big man coach and the assistant coach who would always work with Avita Zuboff prior to games, he is now an assistant coach with the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, he went up there with uh, Chauncey Billups. I don't know why I almost forgot Chauncey's name. But so that that's three big assistant coach departures for the Clippers. And so far, the only assistant coach spot that's been filled has been reportedly Brian Shaw, who was the G League Ignite head coach uh, this season, is going to be, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, is going to be the Clippers' quote, top assistant. So that's one out of the three spots that have been filled. We don't know who else is going to be on the assistant coaching staff. Like, we just have no idea at this point. The Clippers will let us know when they let us know. Like, usually you'll hear names rumored around. You don't really get that with the Clippers. You find out when you find out, so. You only get it when the other side talks, pretty much. I mean, yeah, pretty much. So, you know, Billups, Atkinson, Rogers out, Shaw in, two vacant spots. Maybe they don't fill those spots. Maybe you just use fewer assistants, but I would imagine they fill those spots. I'm interested to see who they would get. Uh, the the interesting one to me wasn't Chauncey. It was Kenny Atkinson leaving because Kenny Atkinson, Ty Lue raved about him nonstop all season. Same with Sean Fine for their player development. Uh, as far as I know, Sean Fine is still a Clippers uh, is still the Clippers player development coach. So I, I'm unsure what they're going to do to bolster their, their coaching staff to replace the loss of Kenny Atkinson because it's, you know, they basically lost three player development guys. Chauncey was lauded for his player development with Paul George and several others. Kenny Atkinson, as we all know, is an elite player development coach and Roy Rogers for his work with big men, you know, Ivica Zubac, Sergi Baca, guys like that. So th- these are sizable holes, but none to me more sizable than Kenny Atkinson. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think Kenny Atkinson is probably the most important. I mean, that's the name we heard the most, but it does feel like Chauncey is equally as important because that was the name that like so many postgame interviews, whether it was PG or Kawhi or Ty, like they were all crediting him for helping those guys learn how to maneuver double teams better and play the point guard better. And uh, on an aside, there was a, now that they got Brian Shaw, you know, I had I had the chance to interview uh, Jalen Green, who went you know number two in the draft today, and I you know he was getting coached by Brian Shaw. And I asked him if Brian Shaw ever told him like funny Kobe stories that were his favorite Kobe stories because that was one of his favorite players growing up. And the story that Shaw told him that was Brian Shaw's favorite was the one where he convinced Paul George to talk trash on Kobe, and then Kobe shut Paul George down. It's just fun to see that, uh, that story yeah, gets actually, traveled I actually remember around. that story. Hmm? I actually remember that story, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun to see that, that that story travels down from Paul George telling to us to Brian Shaw telling, you know, people who are going to be rookies. It seems like one of those things that's just going to stay around forever. Uh, Brian Shaw has an interesting career, especially when you kind of look at it where he was with Indiana for several years as an associate head coach. So when you look at the years that he, that he was an associate head coach, two of those years were with Frank Vogel, oddly enough, because Vogel was in Indiana at the time. So, and then he ends up getting the Denver Nuggets head coaching job. And then he goes back to the Lakers as an assist, as associate head coach. And then the G league night guy, he's a player development guy. Paul George has credited him has credited, credited Brian Shaw with his development as part of the reason why PG is as good as he is. He credits Brian Shaw. 
So that is a good hire for the Clippers. Personally, the way that I view it is Brian Shaw is the replacement for Chauncey Billups. And I'm interested to see what the replacements are for Atkinson and and Rogers. Atkinson, you know, is the big one because player development guys, especially with, with the, you know, with the reputation that Kenny has and how much, you know, he was, he worked with everybody. Um, he's the interesting guy that they're going to have to replace. So I'm, I'm really curious. Um, that's a lot of assistant coaches to lose in one off season though. It was all of them. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's funny too. Cause like those were three guys. They literally just brought in this I mean, past the, off season. The Lakers are in the same situation though. They lost Jason Kidd. They lost Lionel Hollins. And I think they were about to lose somebody else. I know that they lost those two for sure. So it's, I mean, it seems to be just a rotating door position this season, just because there were so new, so many new coaching hires that people wanted to bring new assistants with them. I will say, there's no greater flattery given to a team and organization than people trying to poach your assistant coaches. That means you're doing something right. Yeah, I could agree with that. Um, like I, like we mentioned earlier, Kawhi Leonard had ACL surgery. Uh, there's no timetable on his return, but I did find it interesting. He waited like several weeks to get the surgery, which could just be that he waited for some swelling to go down or he probably just went through all his options. He probably went through to see if, uh, physical therapy would be enough. Yeah. From my understanding, he, he, I mean, he legitimately tried to rehab and weigh all his options. And then that ended up being the ultimate result At, at, at no point from start to finish. Did he think? Like, oh, I have to get surgery. He was, like, legitimately trying to figure out a way to come back. Um, like, I've talked to some of the some of the people within the organization. Like, it's all speculative. Like, some of them were like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out the whole year. But, you know, I don't really know. Like, I think when it comes to the timetable time of his injury, nobody, like, really knows. They just have speculation. Uh, when it comes to the injury itself, I think the the sw- the amount of swelling he had made things really difficult. And I, I mean, I'm, I might write like a very in-depth piece on like the whole process of his injury. I'm not sure yet, but it was it was not a shades of uh, it, it was not a black and white injury. It, it went, I mean, it went from like, oh, it's there's a there's a ton of swelling. And so, you know, he's telling his teammates it's a sprain. But then over time, it's like, oh, maybe it's more than a sprain. And then it it was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of him hoping he could come back and then just kind of dealing with the fact that he couldn't. If you love listening to us here on Clip and Roll, what's stopping you from grabbing a microphone and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and kind of just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other podcast listening platforms. Best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team all the time, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join check out the description box in this episode to find out more but that's bwhustle.com slash join so tonight was nba draft night it's always an interesting time on the calendar because it feels like every team has like this reinvigoration of like oh this is like like this is this is the clean slate we're looking for and as far as the Clippers are concerned, they walked in with the 25th pick. And so you're thinking, all right, they're just going to make one pick. Far about, they didn't come out of this draft with one pick. They came out of this draft with three. They ended up trading number 25 
and the 2024 Detroit second rounder to move up to the 21st pick. With the 21st pick, they took Keon Johnson, a guard from the University of Tennessee. They then traded the 2026 Detroit second round pick and cash for the number 33 overall pick, which was Jason Preston, the guard from the University of Ohio or Ohio University. I think it's Ohio University, technically. Yeah. I I don't know. It's whatever you want to be. It's not Ohio State. It's it's actually Ohio, the Bobcats. There we go. They weren't done, though, Farbod, because they acquired the 51st pick in the draft. Brandon Boston Jr., known as B.J. Boston from the University of Kentucky. They traded a future second. We're unsure what pick that actually is. That trade has not been officially announced. It was it was mentioned by Woj and it was mentioned by Shams, but it wasn't officially announced in a press release yet. And Lawrence Frank, when we talked to him, couldn't actually mention BJ Boston by name when he talked about the players the Clippers drafted tonight. But it was a future second and cash for BJ Boston at the 51st pick. Farbaugh, this is kind of a crazy thing for the Clippers because we're so used to them picking big men that now when they pick three guards, including two really athletic young guards in Keon Johnson and BJ Boston, plus Jason Preston, who's a, who's a good point guard prospect. It's actually mind blowing. You, you know what the highlight of the draft was? I, I'm I'm all, I'm all ears. Mo, Moses Moody, Moody Moses, Mo, Mo Michael. Moody. Please, please. Okay. <laughs> good Lord. Good. They needed to not I have Kendrick was, Perkins on broadcast. I, I don't know what he was saying. That's such an easy name. It's Moses Moody. Like his name's not Farbad S. Nashari or like Jamshifar. Like it's Moses Moody. It's not a hard name. It's, My biggest I issue. Cool. I don't want to rant. I don't want to rant about Kendrick Perkins, but I'm about to. So if you don't want to hear me rant about Kendrick Perkins. Skip ahead by like 30 seconds. I apologize. 30 for ranting, seconds, but here it like goes. 30 minutes. No, skip ahead 30 seconds from this point starting now. All right. You cannot have a guy as an analyst on your television show about draft prospects or just in general who doesn't care about pronouncing the names correctly. They're their names. Pronounce them correctly. That's what they, like, it's their names. It would be like me not pronouncing your name correctly just because I didn't give a crap. Like, that's just absolutely insane when you're an analyst on TV who's been tasked to cover the NBA draft in a position you do not deserve to be in because you're just a joke of an analyst. At least get the names right, please. All right, now that you come back to the regular scheduled program, Farbod, what did you think about the Clippers taking three players like that? All guards, by the way. Well, I mean... They all seem like good prospects. The one thing I that was kind of interesting is like they kind of needed big men this year. It felt like, or maybe one big man. I don't know how many guards they truly need. Um, I mean, I I wanted to ask Lawrence Frank, but we we didn't get the time. They only give us like four questions, which I am very excited you got to be one. I didn't think they were gonna get anyone besides the the usual suspects they got. Um, I cannot believe I got a question in. Yeah, I can't. I really can't. I was like, I was like, good for him, because they 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 got you, and then they got the usual crew that they pretty much skip us so, all the time. So, so what happened was Curtis was Curtis started saying, "All right, for the first question," and then I clicked my raised hand. That's when I clicked my raised hand, and he yeah. called on me, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I wanted to ask Lawrence like what the priority was going into the draft because i mean if you're trying to get reggie jackson back and you're trying and you're you still have rondo and you still have pat like i don't understand what the priority is you know what i mean do you want to have the do you want to have the dirty conversation right now we can do it ew dude they're trading pat i mean i would assume they're trying to i think they're i think they're trading pat Yogi's not back, which is fine. Although I did like Yogi, but you know, it is what it is. I think Pat's being traded. I think Yogi's gone. And I don't think Rondo has a role. He might even fucking retire and be, be an assistant coach at this point. That was aggressive. <laughs> but yeah, that, well, that, that's the dirty part. Like that's, let's talk about it. 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're if they're shopping Pat. Um, he's also what he done the last year of his contract. Yeah, fourteen point three on the last year. It's very interesting with him because, like, I mean, he was so important in the playoffs in those last two rounds. Like, he was really important. Um, yeah, he absolutely was. But then Reggie was. I mean, him and Reggie were equally as important, but for different reasons. So it's, uh, I don't know, like, you know, I hear all these guys always, you know, say, like, the Clippers are interested in Lonzo, and I've asked around, and it seems pretty true. Like, it's not just made-up nonsense. But, like, in my head, I mean, as, as you know, finicky as certain moments Pat could have in the regular season, in my head, if, if we were being in the playoffs, is Lonzo really going to shut down certain guys the way Pat's shut down certain guys in the playoffs? Because I truly don't think so. But then at the same time, we we don't even know if like the Clippers, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what they do. To me, it doesn't matter what they do this season if Kawhi's not back. Like they could they could get whatever they want, but if you're missing your best player for the whole year, then I guess it's more of a development year. But you can't waste the year of prime George, uh, prime Paul George at the same time. You know, so it's a very weird. It's like what the Warriors were in last year, to be honest. Like it's a very weird year to be in. Yeah, um, it's almost like a holding pattern. Yeah, it feels like um, they're like in limbo. But again, like we have no clue when Kawhi is coming back, or if it's if, six if he months. resigns. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know if he's going to resign. I don't know if he's coming back. Although I've, I've talked to a lot of people, and yeah, it seems pretty people, heavy that he's going to resign. People I've talked to are basically like he's resigning. Like this isn't even like a discussion. Yeah, it's like him resigning is as equal of a likelihood as CM Punk coming to AEW kind of thing. Uh, All right, that's a very niche thing to say. <laughs> I will say, without I don't want to dunk on anyone. I like just because everybody tries to dunk on me all the time. But I will say, it's kind of funny that the Mavericks, the reports went from the Mavericks saying that they were going to do everything in their power to sign Kawhi. And four days later, they were like, ah, oh, we moved on. Like, <laughs> Walsh was like, yeah, I've heard nothing. Yeah, it was. I mean, it took all of four days for those reports to come out as complete nonsense, which is at this point. I mean, at this point, I don't think anybody's saving room for Kawhi. If you look at the way things are structured, like they're all saving space for Kyle Lowry. They were saving space for Bradley Beal, but I don't know. I don't know if he gets moved anymore based off what we saw today. But even though they're saying Bradley Beal is not going to move, like they said that about James Harden, and then he got moved. Like whatever people are saying doesn't really matter. Even even if it's Shams, Shams said James Harden was going to stay put in Houston last year, and like that was the most untrue thing ever. So even if they're saying Bradley Beal is going to stay, like that could just be a statement Washington wants them to put out there. Um. It seems like they're all saving space for Lowry, Beal, potentially Dame if he leaves. Like, it you, you look at the way it's structured, I feel like nobody's really saving space for Kawhi. If Kawhi were to leave, it would have to be, like, worse than an Elton Brand situation. So the teams that have max space or could potentially get there, that that could possibly intrigue Kawhi Leonard or make a run at him. Are the Knicks, the Mavs, and the Heat. Who are all rumored to sign Kyle Lowry. Yeah, who are all really going after Kyle Lowry. And, I don't know, maybe Dallas makes a run at Mike Conley? I mean, from what Tony Jones was saying, like, Conley is as sure of a lock in Utah as Kawhi is in the Clippers. All right, yeah, I just haven't heard anything about Conley. I've heard everything else about everybody else, but he put not one seen one iota on of Conley news. He he put one report on Conley. Um, I I would take his word for the gospel in terms of what the Jazz are going to do because they they, oh, they trust him. With Tony the Tony with sources in Utah, ironclad. Um, but yeah, Clippers draft three. I, I know we got off on free agent. We'll, we'll get back to this, but Clippers draft three guys: Keon Johnson, Jason Preston, BJ Boston. Um, personally, and this is me spitballing. This is not what I've heard. This is just what I'm kind of connecting dots on. 
The BJ Boston pick likely means that Amir Coffee is done as a two-way guy. Amir Coffee was on a two-way contract. That's likely to not continue because Jay Scrub has one two-way spot. Amir Coffee has the other. I think you're going to see BJ Boston get the second two-way spot, and Amir Coffee is either just going to go out into the into the into the unknown and the void as a free agent, or maybe the Clippers, you know, sign him to an actual deal. Who knows? Um, the other part of this is that the Jason Preston pick likely means that Yogi Ferrell and his non-guaranteed deal will likely not be retained. So that's a little bit of money that the Clippers quote unquote save, but they really don't. That's not, that's not functional cap space for the Clippers. They're completely over the cap in a major way and they're not going to get under it. Uh, even if Kawhi Leonard left. So um, yeah, those were the big takeaways from draft night is just that, you know, Preston means Yogi's gone. Boston means coffee's probably gone. And now that leads us into the free agency thing again, where it's like, Sergi Baca and Kawhi Leonard, they have decision dates of August 1st, which is Saturday, uh, to decide whether or not they're picking up or which declining their tomorrow. player options. Yeah, which if you're listening to this, is tomorrow. Um, so yeah, like Kawhi Leonard could pick up his option and get and go into free agency next season. Sergi Baca can do the same. They both can turn down their options and sign for, you know, Ibaka can only, I think Ibaka can sign for a little bit of a raise, but that'll be interesting. I don't think he's going to decline it because of a back injury. I think a back injury is something that you don't decline your deal. Which we still don't even know. Like that's one I actually don't know anything about. Yeah. That's the biggest unknown. Yeah. Like I know a decent amount about Kawhi from talking to people, but like Serge, I don't know anything about, like, I don't know if this dude has got like nerve damage and he's just like, Dunzo, or I have no clue like how long this guy is going to be out. What the like, they were so weirdly quiet about that the whole time. And like, players on the team like legitimately didn't know either. And I think because they don't want to bother them, like, a lot of times players don't like bothering other players because they don't want to make it seem like they're rushing them back. So, like, I think they didn't bother Surge, but like, I have no clue. I mean, his injury sounded really serious when he's like, I couldn't feel my fingers. Is that what he said? Yeah, he he basically said like he couldn't feel uh, his 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 legs would go numb at times. Yeah, like that's really serious. Like that requires. I think I think that deserves much more of an explanation on like what what is wrong with this guy than anything else. Yeah, a hundred percent. Which is, I guess, kind of in a roundabout way, brings it back to you saying you were a little bit shocked they didn't pick a big man because yeah. like you're unknown with Ibaka. Uh, Zoo had the knee issue, but should be fine for the beginning of the year. But like, that's still, those are your two bigs, unless you're bringing back cousins. And then that's three bigs and Oturu is four, but how much do you depend on him? Doesn't seem like much at all for Daniel Oturu. So, I mean, I just, I just felt like this was one year you kind of needed to draft a big, but Um, you know, maybe that's what they're working on. Like maybe that's what they're working on in this off season. I mean, they're super. So quiet. that's. Can we talk about that for a second? We'll get to Reggie and Nick in a second, but I, I do want to, like, kind of somewhat talk about the free agents because the Clippers, the, the only avenues the Clippers have to add players this this off season is veteran minimum contracts, the taxpayer mid level exception, which is about five point nine million dollars, or just outright trading for guys who are already under contract, which means you can't trade for a player who's been signed and traded because it hard caps you. And I understand this is about to be boring talk. So just give me one second. I'll explain this. The Clippers as things stand are roughly 15 million over the hard cap. They're over what's called the apron, the apron projected apron for the 21, 22 season is roughly $143 million. The Clippers are all basically $15 million over that. So they're at $158 million. When you're over the apron and you take a player back in a sign and trade, you're hard capped at the apron. Like you cannot go above that number. They, they, they are not allowed to go above $143 million. Well, they're at 158 million, which basic math tells you is over 143 by quite a little bit. So they'd have to clear 15 million just to get to the apron. And that's quite a task for them. 
they'd have to send out a lot more money, like essentially to get under the apron at this point. And this is not hyperbole. This is honest to God, the actual mathematical fact to get under the apron, just as things stand, they would have to trade Marcus Morris for literally nothing to clear that space under the apron. So any sign and trade is pretty much off the table. Like, like you're not getting, so like you brought up Lonzo ball earlier. If they were to sign and trade for Lonzo ball, they're hard capped at the apron, but they'd have to get him on a deal that isn't too crazy because they have to send out money to get him and kind of rework things around that way. Now, is there an avenues to do it? Sure. But then it gets murky, you know, like there's, cause you got to break into cap holds, you know, Reggie Jackson's cap hold is only 1.7 million. Nick Batum's is only 1.7 million. So they're basically saved on these cap holds that are really low value and things like that. So when we talk about, you know, what are the avenues for the Clippers? It's veteran minimum contracts, trading for guys who are already under contract. So like, I'm just going to toss out a name. This doesn't mean that they're linked, but guys like Malcolm Brogdon or Miles Turner, guys who already have contracts that don't hard cap you when you trade for them or the taxpayer mid-level exception. The reason I'm bringing these guys up or bringing up the avenues is because we, we should have to talk about some of the, the guys that I think they might be interested in. You know, guys like a Rashawn Holmes, who I've heard, and this is, I'm just throwing this out there. I've been told a number, the, the, the number that Rashawn Holmes is looking for is 480. He's looking for $20 million a year, which more power to Rashawn Holmes if he gets $20 million a year, okay? I don't think he's worth $20 million. Who the hell knows? But we're talking about guys like Rashawn Holmes. We're talking about guys like Daniel Tice uh, of, the, of the, I guess, technically the Chicago Bulls because he got traded by Boston to Chicago. Um, we're talking about potentially, uh, oh God, what's his name? Cody Zeller from the Charlotte Hornets, who's a free agent. Um, and there's someone else that I'm forgetting. Uh, uh, Kelly Olenek maybe would be a, an interesting option. So, so like, th- like those are the kind of guys that you're looking at, like in terms of bigs. And to be honest with you, Farrod, like I would not mind any of those guys. The question I'll ask you, well, firstly, I think the Clippers are just going to make marginal moves, if anything. Um, the question I want to ask you, which I think is what everybody wants to ask, is like, how would it work or would it work? Is there a way to make it work to get a DeMar DeRozan? The only way to really do it is if he accepts the taxpayer mid-level, which is $5.9 million. I don't know if, I don't think he would. He had the comments that like, he's like, it's not about money. He wants to win. He wants to be back in LA. I completely get that. That's a huge pay cut for DeMar. Cause he, he made over $20 million this past year. And you're telling a guy to take a pay cut down to 5.9. That's crazy. So if he takes that, who do they lose then? If he takes the taxpayer mid-level. Yeah. Potentially nobody. Well, I mean, I'm assuming that was supposed to go to like a Batum then. Potentially. It could. Like, there's a there's a thought that maybe you could just retain Batum to another vet minimum or a slight little raise. Um, I don't know if that would be enough. I mean, Batum talked about, you know, how much he liked being in LA and he loved the team. Now, does that mean he's going to re-sign? for the lowest possible amount that he can get. I, I don't think so, but who knows? I personally think that if you're looking at everything considered, look, if you put all the cards on the table, Nick Batum could get the taxpayer mid-level hundred percent. He could even get more than that from a team who's looking who like, like there it's not out of the realm of possibility that some team they could give him the non-taxpayer MLE, which is like nine and a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. Were you going to say something? No, I'd say like maybe Golden State. Yeah, like maybe Golden State. Like that's actually the team I was thinking about. Um, maybe the Lakers. You never know. But the Lakers, I think, uh, were the Lakers in the tax this past year? I don't know. Anyways, here's the thing. If you use the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, the $9.5 million one, you hard cap yourselves at the apron. And the Lakers are already like right at the apron. So I wouldn't imagine they use it. Um, I don't, I don't know if they have it available. I don't know their cap situation. I'm just explaining the machinations of things. I understand it's math. It can get boring, but these are the things they're, they're breaking so the news Clippers, in the middle of, of this podcast, like at 12 
8.55 in the morning of the Jazz being in serious talks to send Derek Favors to OKC. That's actually interesting. Yeah. Like 12.58 in the morning. So you know what that signals to me? Mike Conley coming back. Well, yes. And Derek Favors makes $9.7 this coming season and has a player option for $10.2 million. This is Utah shedding money under the tax line in order to not only pay Mike Conley, but possibly retain Ingles or Bogdanovich. It feels like Oklahoma City has just become the place where everybody's dumped their contracts to now. Well, because they have to hit the salary floor. Yeah, they just, they're, they just, they work with everyone. They're, they're just very nice. They're, they're, yeah, Sam Presti has all the picks from here to eternity, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for Clippers improvements in free agency, ta- taxpayer MLE, veteran minimum contracts, trading for guys already under contract. That those are the three avenues that w- that we could see. The reason I brought up and you brought up Nick Batum's thing, Nick Batum's cap hold is 1.7 million. That's what he costs the Clippers right now going into free agency. The Clippers can give him the taxpayer mid level. There is an order of operations here. And I'm going to run through some scenarios, so just bear with me. I get it. This is kind of boring. But Nick Batum and Reggie Jackson have cap holds for $1.7 million apiece, correct? Here's the way this happens. Let's say, for instance, the Clippers are basically trying to work out trades or they're trying to get someone. You, When you do the order of operations, Reggie Jackson's re-signing comes last because... His cap hold is $1.7 million. You don't want to add his money to your books until the very end. So if you give him four years, $47 million, which I believe is the largest contract they can give him, um, you don't do that as your first move. Now, it might get leaked as their, like, it might be the first move that gets leaked. Like, if you see, oh, the Clippers and Reggie Jackson have come to an agreement four years, 47, 45, $40 million, doesn't matter the number. Um, let's say four years, 40 million. Oh, the Clippers and Reggie Jackson come to an agreement four years, 40 million. That will be the last move that gets officially announced by the Clippers. The first one, the first stuff would be like, oh, Nick Batum gets the taxpayer MLE or some other kind of machination of things. So there are, there, there are little hiccups that you have to navigate first. The Clippers aren't in a bad spot. They're just kind of, they're down on resources to kind of, you know, get new players in. This might be a shuffling of of the roster kind of season where, you know, like PG and Marcus and and Luke Kennard, because I think I don't think Kennard's going to get dealt and Zoo possibly like those are the guys who probably stick around, you know, Ter- Terrence because he's on a relatively cheap deal and then you just go from there. So it's going to be a very interesting time. There's players out there that I think fit the Clippers pretty well. It's just going to come down to whether or not a they believe in the fact that the Clippers still have a shot to win a title, even with you know the the murkiness of Kawhi's re-signing and Kawhi's injury, and whether or not they believe they have you know the latitude to have a larger role on a team. Which I will tell you, Farbod, if there's one thing the Clippers have working for them, it's Ty Lue because of his ability to get the most out of people like he did this season. Yes. Thank you. That was that was an amazing. I love your chipped in on that one. <laughs> oh boy, I can tell you you're tired, buddy. Yes. <laughs> okay, I fucking hate you. Um, is there anyone that you're actually like inst- interested in for the Clippers as a free agent, like not on their own team? Like who? I, like who would? In what way? Like who I think they might get, or who like I hope they would get, or who? Something? who who do you think like money wise, whether that's the vet minimum or the taxpayer MLE that it's like, all right, like I could see a fit there. I'm not sure to be honest. I honestly, I haven't given it that much thought. Like I've just been trying to figure out like who they're actually interested in. Cause you know, I've, I've heard, I've had people tell me they've made a lot of calls and stuff. So like, I'm just trying to figure out who they're actually interested in and, who is interested in them. But I think with the Clippers, it's one of the situations where a lot of people are interested in them. They just don't leak it. 
Like you just don't know about it. So I'm going to, I'm going to rattle off four names. Uh, number one is Kelly Olenek. I think there is an actual fit there. He played really well in Houston offensively after his trade there. Number two is Jeff Green. I think that could be the thing. Um, the Nets GM just I talked think, about how much they really want to re-sign him today. Yeah, I mean, I just it's going to come down to dollars and cents for the Nets. The Nets are kind of in the same situation the Clippers are in right now. Uh, another guy is Nerlens Noel. And the other guy, I know this is a little bit weird, but I will throw this out there. Paul Millsap intrigues me. Does he make a lot of money? He's an unrestricted free agent this year. Oh, okay. Uh, he did have a downswing of a year. Like, I get it. He's 35 years old or just turned 36 years old in February. But, like, veteran big, floor spacer, good defender. I, I, I feel like he fits. I think out of everyone you mentioned, maybe, like... Maybe Nerland's Noel or Jeff Green, one of the two. Jeff Green is interesting from the standpoint of like, it could be a one for one. And I'm going to say swap. I don't mean a, not a trade, but just a straight up like, oh, this guy's out. This guy's in like, he'd be an interesting swap for Batum. Cause I feel like there's a lot of the similar stuff, but Batum's obviously a better passer, but Jeff Green's more athletic. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just. It's just a weird, I mean, I mean, I said it once before and I'll say it again. It's just a weird year for the Clippers or like, I, they have to, it's just a matter of figuring out how, like, even when they tried asking Lawrence today, kind of shifted it on like, what's the priority this year in terms of competing, not competing. And he gave a kind of like, you know, we're going to work hard answer, you know, very. He said, we're, he said, we're going to be, com- our goal is to be competitive this year and like in the every future. Of the year. Yeah. So I mean that's that's the thing. I think the next the next week or so is going to really show where the Clippers are at and how they're treating this year. Because as much as you want to keep Batum, right? Or keep Reggie and I I think 4 years 47 is like in the ballpark of what Reggie's looking for. But like if you want to keep Batum, like it's going to be tough to convince a guy to sign for less money in a year where you're not necessarily a championship favorite. Like that's a very weird thing to do. That doesn't happen often. Yeah. Uh, maybe he, maybe he likes the culture. So here's the Batum thing. Actually, this is, this is the really interesting Batum thing. He and Reggie have very similar arcs with the Clippers. Okay. Reggie got the rehabilitation year at the end of last year, at the end of last season. Well, I guess technically two seasons ago now, when he came in as a, as a buyout guy, remember that? Yeah. I mean that, that, and that's re- also something I was nervous about, by the way, is the, like the Lakers had something similar in 2020 where they had Dwight like in his, you know, redemption year. And they had kind of had a KCP redemption year. And like those redemption years, like sound intangible, but they're pretty legit. Like when, when guys feel like they're on their way out of the league, I mean, they really put up, so then it's like, how, are you gonna you gonna get that kind of production again now that you've already proved that you that you deserve to be in the league? Are you really gonna take a minimum again, and are you gonna get that production again? That's hard to give that production, right? Um, but Reggie and Nico are basically on, like they're on Nico's on the Reggie timeline, and, and here's what I mean by that. So the reason the Clippers can re-sign Reggie. To like to the maximum that they can give him, which is four years, forty-seven million. The reason they can sign him to that, even without actual cap space, is because they have his early bird rights. So if Batum goes another year with the Clippers, he gets early bird rights with the Clippers, and they can give him something like that deal that they could potentially give Reggie this offseason. So if you're if you're Batum and if you're the Clippers. Do you basically just go, look, man, you're, you got the buyout from Charlotte. If you take another year and you even look 50% of how you did last this past season, we're going to like heftily pay you 
with with your early bird rights, like next off season, especially when you know we have a clearer picture of Kawhi's health if he resigns with the team. Like we have a clearer picture of Kawhi's health. You know, Patrick Beverly's contracts off the books, Rondo's contracts off the books. You know, you have all these things, and it's like you have more avenues to make things happen. So, like, would that be the game plan? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, it's just out there. It's like maybe Batum takes another smaller deal with the team to get to the early bird right stage, or maybe he just takes the taxpayer MLE or the non-tax MLE from a team, and that's it. Yes. Okay. All right. You're done. I can just tell. This is a great, <laughs> great conversation. I can tell when I start talking about cap stuff, you're just like checking out. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, the next couple days are going to be really interesting. Uh, we're going to learn a lot more, aren't we? We're going to learn w- what Kawhi and Serge's options, option decisions are. We're going to learn what the Clippers are looking at in free agency. We might even see a trade or two or several. Who knows? So far, Bob, we need to not go another month without talking because we need to go two months. I miss doing this. That's right. We're going to the we're going to the beginning of the season, baby. Can you believe summer league's like two weeks away? Yeah, I just filed an application for it. I don't know if I'll go though, but I filed an application. I'm not going. I've heard a lot of the COVID or not a lot. I've heard that there's been quite a few covid cases from people traveling back from vegas yeah i mean yeah i have to see how that goes i mean i just like applied for it just to do it but like i have no idea if i'd actually go yeah i was trying to figure out how to apply for credentials to go i'll send you the link it's actually the deadline is today babe um but yeah the 30th or the 29th 30th Okay. Yeah, because we're 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 kind of on the on the weird of what today is. Today's today's been two days. Um, you got anything for the good people before we get the hell out of here? Um. Um. Oh, hold on. Have you watched the show Manifest? No. Okay, never. I can't. I can't talk about it then. I, I, watched, I, I need someone who's seen the show. What did I watch recently? Man, I don't know anymore. Everything's kind of a blur. Ted Lasso just came back. I haven't. I've haven't watched that, but like Rusev Miro, he really, really likes that show. He's hyped it up quite a bit. It's a fucking phenomenal show. Dude. I, I'm supposed on, to go show. to the Suicide Squad premiere on Monday, though. So I'm excited about this hopefully knock on wood nothing happens that doesn't allow that to happen but... listen john cena's back and that's all that matters yeah <laughs> i know um what did i want to tell people as a overall the experience this year taught me like i mean any like once the playoffs start i mean it's truly a different game um whatever happens like with the team this year you still kind of have to be proud of what happened last year and like it's it's a carryover effect at this point of like these guys are gonna fight really hard whether they have Kawhi or they don't have Kawhi. and I hope people still remain proud of the team I mean obviously there's some things that carry over like you know the final five minutes of the games and the regular season and the playoffs but and these guys were able to have 22-point comebacks, 21-point comebacks. So I just hope they don't get too discouraged when they see, like, the Lakers getting Westbrook and gearing up for all this, you know, crazy hoopla. And then the Clippers are still kind of, I mean, they're missing their best guy. So sometimes it is what it is, you know. Yeah, this this past season um, personally was a grind. Uh I know I talked about it several times, several episodes, like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, like personal stuff and like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like it, it was my, my personal life had to take a backseat to this, uh, covering the team and it sucked. 
because uh, not not like covering the team sucked, but like it sucked of how like little of a life I had. Like, does that make sense? Yes. Oh my god. No, it really did though. No, it really does though. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I had like no life. Um, I it's just I hope this coming season when they're quote-unquote getting back on track to normalcy as far as their scheduling goes, I really hope that's true because, buddy, I need the breaks. I, 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 can't, I can't do this, you know, game every other day thing for two straight months anymore. I just hope everybody has fun watching the team this year. Cause you know what? I'm glad fun. you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up. I was thinking about this today as I was driving back home after getting food. Um, I think we sometimes forget basketball is meant to be fun. Well, not in the playoffs. It's not fun. I'll tell you that much. No, it still is, though. Going to Phoenix and seeing uh, the Valley Oop in person, it's never fun. But but basketball at its core is still supposed to be fun. And I hope fans remember that. Like, yes, we can analyze this this game to death. I can, you and I can talk X's and O's. We can talk behind the scenes. We can talk, you know, free agency or injuries or you know moves, you know, till we're blue in the face like we did tonight. But like at the, at its core, it's fun. It's a game. Like it's supposed to be fun. And sometimes you have to take a step back and just appreciate what you watch. There's a quote. <laughs> There's a quote I always tell Tomer, and then like we always say to each other, anytime one of us gets super serious, it's for some hockey, like hockey post game. I don't know who it is. But the guy's always like, "What? Why do you have to be mid? It's only game. It's only game." <laughs> I mean, it's true. Like at the end of the day, it's a game. It's fun, you know. So I hope everyone enjoys or did enjoy what they watched out of the Clippers this season. It was historic. Um, you've never seen this Clipper season before in your life. That is a guarantee, but you got to see it now and changes are in store for the Clippers based on coaching staff stuff that has happened in the last couple of weeks, based on the draft that they just had tonight, based on the injuries that they have going into the next season, based on who knows what in free agency and potential trades. So Farbod, it's been a blast, man. We need to not wait as long as a month next time. We'll probably talk in the next couple of days because of there'll be news that breaks and all that stuff. But I love you, buddy. This was fun. I missed you. I love it. Violence isn't the answer, but sometimes it is, you know. Okay. okay. I thought you were just going to say, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Take it easy. Stay safe. Wherever you are in this crazy blue marble that's floating and hurling through space, hope you stay safe. We'll talk to you all later. Take it easy.